Come on, say it like you mean it. This is God's word. Not Pastor Eben's word. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, Father, we thank you for this time that we have to fellowship around your word. We thank you for the incorruptible word that will be deposited into the lives of each person here. We thank you, Father, that your word, your word has the ability to change. Your, your word has the ability to bring favor into our lives. Your word has the ability to bring miracles. Your word says signs, miracles, and wonders will follow your word. And that's what we're expecting this morning. We're expecting signs, miracles, and wonders to follow the word after we hear it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You may be seated this morning. God bless you. In order to bring balance and to bring harvest from our giving, I feel that it is necessary to end our series on the life of a giver and now focus on the life of a receiver. So this new series is it's called The Life of a Receiver. Say that with me. Say The Life, the life of, a of a Receiver. Amen. We're going to pick up from where we ended on last week so that we can take full advantage of the promises that God has made us after we give and after we give. See, we've already given on our, on our giving day, but we're also going to continue to give like you gave today. Now, the focus of our lesson is to help teach you how to get and stay in position to a harvest, what to do until your harvest comes, recognize when your harvest, when you see it, Reap it when it's time, and finally, how to have a consistent future of harvest. One of the things that I'm going to cover that's not on there is to show you what to do when you don't see harvest, and it's been a long time. Now, I'm going to give you just insight on the front end, because there are some people that say, well, I've been giving my tithe, and I've been giving my offering, and I am seeing God do nothing. Well, my question is, are you looking? That's number one. Number two, do you have faith that he'll, he will do what he says? But here's the main thing I want you to walk out with this morning, just on this piece right here. If your harvest is not coming in like it should, you need to go to God and say, Lord, what's going on? Remember that song growing up? What's going on? Ah! You need to ask the Lord. You need to say, Lord, what's going on? What's happening? Because either, now listen to me now. Either you're doing something wrong or you're not doing something you should be. Now, when I say doing something wrong, I'm not meaning like sinning. I mean, the words of your mouth can be contaminating your harvest. So that's something that you could be doing wrong. And then over, over here where you may not be doing something, you may not be confessing on a regular basis what, you want, you know, what God's word says about what, what you should receive. So don't just let 
a season go by and the next season go by without asking the Lord, Lord, what's, why is it, you know, why do I see a hindrance? Because he'll tell you if you ask him. Amen? Amen. All right. So we talked about five major points on how to harvest your increase from seed that you have sown. And our first one was to expect. Everybody say to expect. Our second one is to examine. Say examine. Our third one was to experience. Say experience. Our fourth one is to exhort. Say exhort. Our fifth one is to exercise. Say exercise. Now we haven't covered... Uh, from number two on down, I'm going to complete number one because number two and three, they're easy for me to cover in one lesson. And so we're still on expect. And so I'm going to define for you what it means to expect. It means this is an understanding that you have a justifiable right to expect a harvest after sowing a seed. And this is where some people go wrong. Because we've been taught inherently, oh, don't expect from God when you give to him. Well, why not? If his word tells me I can, then there's nothing wrong with me doing that. Especially when he knows I'm going to take some of what he gives me and give it back to him and then also be a blessing to others. So why wouldn't we have a justifiable right? And so this morning, at the end of my lesson, I'm going to give you reasons why you have a justifiable right to expect from God after you've sown your seed. All right. Now... We looked at, go to Genesis chapter 8 very quickly. Genesis chapter 8. And if you all are a good, good class, I'll finish my lesson. If you are not a good class, I might keep you longer this morning. I'm just playing. I think we'll finish. Genesis chapter 8. Look in verse 22. This is the foundational verse for this particular uh, series. And we're talking about, if you want to name the title of today's lesson, it is Harvest Time 2. Because last week it was Harvest Time 1. All right. Genesis 8.22, if you're there, say, I'm there. Watch this now. It says, while the earth remains. We're still on earth, right? I'm going to keep asking you that question because some of you all may not think you're on earth. While the earth remains, what's the next word? Seed time, time, which a lot of people focus on. But then there's a a conjunction there. What's that conjunction? And what else? Harvest. Then it says, and cold and heat and summer and winter and day and night shall not what? Cease. So as long as there is seed time, there must be a harvest time. I'm going to say it again. As long as there is seed time, there must be a harvest time or the earth is going to go away. Now, I looked up the word harvest. It means to crop. It also means the reaper. Now, last week we learned that planting gives every soil the justifiable right to expect to reap. You can write down Genesis chapter 26, verse 12. I'm not going to go over it. Then also in Genesis 47, 20 through 24 and Proverbs 3, 9 and 10, we said that increase in overflow should be expected after a seed has been sown. In other words, when you give, you shouldn't just give what you got back. God, he is supposed to multiply your seed when you sow it. And I think sometimes we think we're just loaning God money. You know how you loan a friend money? Typically, you don't charge them interest. You just say, you know, I I gave you $200. You just just give me $200 back. But see, God, when you give to him, he multiplies your seed song. Now, now go quickly. Go over to 2 Corinthians. This is our theme verse. In fact, you don't even have to turn. Yeah, yeah, go to 2 Corinthians. I thought it was all up on, on, on our little thing here, but... 2 Corinthians chapter 9, 2 Corinthians 9, and uh, I need you to see this. When you give to God, 
you should not just expect what you gave to him back. That was nothing but a loan. Amen. Watch now, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Look at verse 6. It says, he who so, yeah, he who sows sparingly shall reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully shall reap also bountifully. So it's talking about giving. Then it says, let every man purpose in his heart how he should give. Not grudgingly or out of necessity, for God loves a what kind of giver? Cheerful. Cheerful giver. But now watch this now. I'm jumping down to verse 10. Now he is talking about God who gives or ministers seed to who? To who? The sower. So God will give back or minister seed to the sower, not the store. Did you get that? Then watch what happens. And he both ministered bread for your food. And then watch this. Read it with me. And multiply your seed. Come on, class. And multiply your seed. Let's say it again. And multiply your seed. So what is God supposed to do to the seed that I give him? Multiply. Multiply. Now, if you didn't know it, multiplication is different from addition. Did you know that? And I would rather have multiplication going on than addition. Now, I'll take addition. That's, That's better than subtraction. But I'm trying to get you in the mindset that when you give to God, he wants to multiply what you gave him and give it back to you. Now watch this. This is one of the reasons he wants to do that. It says in that verse, and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Now, if you look now in verse uh, 8, look at verse 8. And God is able to make all grace, this is after you give, abound towards you. Grace means favor. And that you always have all sufficiency in all things. Here's another reason why God wants to multiply your seed song. That you may abound to every good work. So there's some seed. We gave into, into missions when we were there. We couldn't do that if we didn't have more than enough. Are you with me? So God wants to multiply your seed that you sow. And then we looked at Hebrews 11.1. 1. We all know the verse that says faith is the substance of things what? Hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. When you look up the word hope, it means to expect. Everybody say to expect. And so guess what? God needs your expectation. Don't just give to God and say, well, you can. You can just give to God and say, well, here you go, God. I don't care if you give me something back or not. Anybody pray like that, I'm going to ask him to give me your money. (laughs) Amen. And so what we're focusing on now is expectation. Say expectation. Now, one thing that I covered last week or I mentioned, uh, Abraham, when he gave an offering to God, while he was given the offering, the enemy or birds tried to come and eat up the offering that he was given to the Lord. And I focused and told you that you have to guard your offering when you give it to God. And I said there were several ways that the enemy will try to attack you after you give. One of the ways is regret. Come on now. You know, when we first started our church, and I was at my pastor's church, and they were having a big pastor's conference, and it was time to give, and I prayed before I got there, and I said, Lord, what do you want our church to give? Now, you have to understand, our church was brand new. He says, I want you to give $5,000. I was like, you want me to give what? He said, $5,000. Now, you have to understand, I had never given $5,000 away from our church because it was brand new. We needed that money. 
So, you know, I let the devil sit right here and just talk to me all night. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. You need that money. You need that money. So, you know what? I convinced myself to give half of it. So I wrote that $2,500 check and I walked down to the thing and I gave it, you know, $2,500. Praise the Lord. Walked back to my seat. And when I sat down, Mr. Derek said, Pastor, I just feel that. Now, you have to understand, nobody else knows what God told me to give. I didn't want to tell nobody. (laughs) And I sat there and he said, Pastor, I just feel that we're supposed to give another (laughs) $2,500. See, God will help you when you're struggling. That's why you need good people in your life. He'll push you along the way. And so uh, go to Mark chapter 4 very quickly. Mark chapter 4. I want to highlight this morning some things that the adversary will try to do when you sow a seed or after you sow a seed. Mark chapter 4. The enemy will try to root up your faith in what you've sown. And he's going to try to do that immediately so that the faith in the seed that you've sown does not have time to grow in your heart. Mark chapter 4, look, if you're taking notes, you can write down verse 3. Watch this now. It says, behold, there went out a sower to do what? Come on, class. Y'all sound weak this morning. They went out to what? They went to sow. And it came to pass as he sowed. That means that was a consistent process that he was doing. Some of the seed fell by the wayside and the fowls of the air came and devoured it what devoured it up now let's just jump down because we don't know what the fowl was and we don't know what the sower was sowing let's look now in verse 14 the sower was sowing what the word now i just want you to see this in comparison to your money when you sow your money he said the sower went out to sow watch this now and these are those by the wayside that we just read about where the word or your seed was sown, but when they heard, have heard, Satan comes. Come on, class. He comes when? He comes immediately to take the word or the confidence that you have in the word that was sown in your heart. He wants to come and take the promise of what God told you you should have out of your heart before it can take root. And that's why I feel responsible to tell y'all that, it's, that you are supposed to reap. And I need to do it in more than just one Sunday. Because, see, he took that word I gave y'all last week. Some of y'all, y'all still came in empty. So I'm, I'm going to have to fill you back up again. But I want you to see that he came immediately. Now, I noticed something very interesting. Look at verse 15. Look at verse 15. Go back to verse 15. Here's the point I want to make. What you allow your ears to hear or your mind to think will take your harvest or multiply your harvest. I'm going to say it again. What you allow your ears to hear or your mind to think will either take your harvest or multiply your harvest. Look in verse 15. It says, and these are they, by the way, side, where the word is sown, but when they have heard. When they what? When they heard. Because that's the only way the enemy can come inside. And that's the only way faith can come inside. Faith comes by what? Hearing. Hearing. So guess what? You have to protect what you hear. And you know what? Normally what comes out of your mouth is what has just transpired in your thinking. 
So you have to guard your thinking and you have to guard what you're saying and you have to guard what you're hearing. So you can't hang around people who are always talking like, you know, things are bad. I'm broke. My mama's broke. My granny's broke. Then you say, you know what? You need to be broke by yourself. I got to go. <laughs> it says when they heard. So it is critical to a believer's life to make sure that what you hear on a consistent basis is something that has faith in it. That's why I listen to the word at least an hour a day. I need to keep my hearing, my ear gate. Because see, watch this now. Your ears. Remember Jesus said, let them have, ear, have ears to hear. Let them hear. Well, everybody got ears. You know, for the most part. What was he talking about? He's talking about the, you know, the spiritual ears. So my question to you is, what has your spiritual ear heard this week? Because if you listen to the news, you're going to stay broke. I dare you. I want to take y'all on a spiritual journey. I dare you to take this word that I'm teaching. And I dare you to listen to the CD every day. And then take something from what I said and say it out loud every day. I dare you. I dare you. I, du- I double dog dare you. <laughs> Amen. So we talked about, go to 2 Corinthians very quickly. Go to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians. Knowing the devil has devices and knowing what these devices are can cause you to defeat him. Go to 2 Corinthians. I should have told you to keep your hand on Mark. That's okay. We're going back. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Here's my point that I want to make. Knowing the devil has devices and knowing what those devices are can cause you to defeat him. See, that's why. How many play football in here? Let me see your hand. You know, uh, in high school or whatever. They would show you the tape of your last game. And then scouts would go out on your team and go film the other team playing somebody else. And then they would show you all the team, the, the, the tape or the film. And then what they do, they're showing you the film so you can see the moves and the strategies of your enemy. So when it's time for you to play them, you would know exactly what they're going to do. Well, see, the devil knows your hot button. Some of y'all, since we gave, been fighting like cats and dogs. I'm talking about husband and wife now. Fighting like cats and dogs because the devil knows that if he can keep you in division, he can keep that money from coming in your life. Watch this. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, look at verse 11. He says, lest Satan should get an advantage over us, for we are not ignorant of his what? Devices. Now, that tells me something. If I'm ignorant of the devil's devices, he's going to take advantage of me. Did you hear what I said? So let me give you some of the devices that the devil uses when it comes to reaping now from what you've sown. He uses discouragement. As soon as you sow, you see somebody act a fool in your family. Just act a plum out fool. I mean, I mean, just act a fool. Kids that were making straight A's come home with a straight F's. He's trying to discourage you. Or he'll use depression. Now, to me, my definition of depression is just consistent discouragement. Then he uses difficulty. You saw, you see, some major breakdown. Hot diggity dog, Lord. Look, and then, so here's your mindset. Now, Lord, I done gave. Why is my car breaking? That should not be your confession. Your confession should be, Lord, I have all sufficiency in all things so I can abound with much blessing. 
I've given it, so it's supposed to give back to me. So guess what? Your expectation has to be coming from everywhere. Last Sunday after I preached, I got home. I got a call. I'm not going to say the church's name. But I got a call from a, 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 an executive pastor of a church. It wasn't Pastor James either. They don't know what I'm teaching right now. And they called me and said, there's one more signature we need on a check. Our, our church is sending your church a check because we just, uh, in, we just uh, admire what you all are doing. I didn't expect them to send me a check, but I expected a check. In other words, you got to have your expectation open. You can't, if you limit who you get it from, that's all God can use. And here it was, I'm expecting, listen, I'm going to tell you something. My my expectations are seriously high. I'm I'm, I'm expecting God to just make some of y'all instant millionaires. I mean, just, you're going to wake up one morning and get an email from a relative that you didn't even know had some money. And they say, you are the only relative that God told me to give this money to. Here's a million dollars right here in an email. It can happen. Now, see, some of y'all, I'm, I, listen, y'all, y'all are fighting me. Y'all are fighting me. Because some of y'all are going, oh, that can't happen. Well, it ain't going to happen for you. I'm just trying to get, I'm trying to help you receive. Remember, I told you the story about the lady that that happened to. She just was believing God for $2 million to pay their church building off. And she's just a regular person. And God blessed her not only with the $2 million, she gave it away. And then the person who, who gave her the $2 million said, what, you know, what'd you do with it? She gave it away. She said, well, I'm going to give you $2 more million, but don't, but, you know, promise me you're not going to give that away too. So it can happen. Then sometimes he uses delays. Say delays. Sometimes he uses debt and financial strain. Sometimes he uses disagreement. Y'all got to guard that one. Man, listen, when I'm, when I'm believing God for something, I'm one of the sweetest people you'll ever know. Man, my, listen, it is economic, economically inefficient for my wife and I to be in disagreement. We're going to stay on the same page for most of the time because when we don't, God can't bless us like he should. Then sometimes he uses, I use the word defense, but I want to translate to being offended. You got to watch it. Don't let the devil get you offended over something because it blocks up your spirit. And then the last one, he'll use devil level moments in your life. You know what devil level moments are? That's when you just go to the devil level. You ain't cussed in years and boy, that person just got to you and you cussed him. I mean, you cussed him out. They call the police on you. You cussed him out so bad. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Amen. Notice he says, well, go to, go to Matthew chapter 4. Go, go back to Matthew. Let me show you something. See, we think, go to Mark chapter 4. Go to Mark chapter 4. I want to show you something. See, we think that uh, walking by faith is a cakewalk. Or we think that just because we're living right, that the devil is just going to leave us alone. Oh, you living right. Okay, bless the Lord. I'm going to leave you alone. No, he's not going to leave you alone. But you don't have to be afraid either. 
Because Jesus said, behold, he's given us power to tread on serpents and on scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. So the enemy has no power in my life unless I give it to him. And he knows what some of y'all's buttons are. That's why he push them. He know your button is Sally at work. He know your button is when you done asked your husband to take out the trash 20 times. That joker still ain't done it. He know your button. Watch this. Matthew chapter 4. I mean Mark chapter 4. Watch this now. I want to show you something. Because here's the point I want to make. You have to resist the devil consistently and then he will flee. Mark chapter 4. Watch this now. Is it Mark chapter 4? Matthew chapter 4. What did I tell you? I said both of them. Let's go to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. Here's my point again. You have to resist the devil consistently and then he will flee. Watch this. Matthew chapter 4. Look in verse 1. Well, look in verse 17 of the previous chapter. Because, you know, remember, the Bible was written as a big letter. It says... And lo, a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. So God had just spoke out loud for people to hear that Jesus was the son of God. Now let's look in verse 1 of uh, of chapter 4. Then, right after he heard the voice of God, Jesus heard it for himself. It says he was led out of the, uh, up by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by who? By who? So God don't tempt you. God don't tempt. The devil tempts. Watch verse 2. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And when the who? Who? And who was the tempter? The devil. So when the tempter came. So let me ask you a question. If he came to Jesus, do you think he's going to try to come to you? Absolutely. It says, but when he came to him... He said, watch the first temptation that he gave Jesus. If you be the son of God, command these stones to be made in the bread. Now you say, well, why is that a temptation? It was a temptation because he had just heard that God told him he was his son. Do you know the devil could have talked Jesus out of not being the son of God? You said, ooh, I don't know that. That's pretty deep. Then why would this be a temptation? Now, if you notice, he said, if you be the son of God, he was trying to get Jesus to doubt who he was. And anytime a promise of God comes to you, he's trying to get you to doubt the promise. And he came to Jesus. Watch this now. And then Jesus said in verse 4, it is written. Say it is written. written. Say it again. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by what? Every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Then the devil took him up into the holy city. Set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said unto him, here we go again. If you be the son of God, he's trying to convince Jesus he's not the son of God. Just like he tries to convince you, you are not going to be blessed when you give. And if you notice, he didn't stop at the first temptation. Jesus resisted him with the word, but he noticed he didn't stop. Okay, so let's see what happened. He said, if you be the son of God, then cast yourself down. Then he used some scripture on, the, on, on, on Jesus. The devil knows the devil in church right now. I don't know where he is. <laughs> Somebody rode in with the devil. <laughs> no, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. I'm playing. I'm playing. All right, all right. Here we go. Watch this now. 
Looking now in verse 7. Then Jesus said unto him, read it out loud, it is written again. So what was Jesus' response to the temptation of the devil? The word. And that has to be your response when he tells you God ain't going to bless you. You have to have it coming out of your mouth. I'm blessed in the city. I'm blessed in the field. I'm blessed going in. I'm blessed going out. I have favor on my life. Men want to give them to my bosom. You got to have that coming out. But then look what happened again. Look at verse 8. Everybody say the first word. Everybody say it again. Again. But then look now in verse 11. Read it with me. Then the devil left him or left him and behold angels came and ministered unto him. So the Bible says resist the devil and he will flee. But we think we can just resist one time. See, when he gives that thought, you know, oh, you gave, but you just did something wrong, so you ain't going to get no return on that. Uh-uh. Say, no, 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 no. See, you have to understand. I'm about to mess up somebody's theology right now. You have to understand that your past, present, and future sins are, ta- are taken care of. They ain't going to stop you from going to heaven. When you invite Jesus into your life, he's in there. I have never read a scripture where it says that you can be unborn again. I've never read that. Now, what it does do sometimes, it can keep you out of being out in fellowship with God. Because I I ask people all the time, I said, okay, if you lied on the phone, you on the cell phone talking to somebody and you lied to them, and then you, you, you had a car crash and you didn't get to ask God to forgive you for lying, where you gonna go? Most people say, I I I think I would go to hell. (laughs) I said, is that right? So not lying keeps you out of hell? No, because some of y'all lying every day. (laughs) It's not lying or not lying that keeps me out of hell. It's Jesus and what he did that keeps me out of hell. And so some of y'all, the devil just beats y'all down with just your past mistakes. You shouldn't have done it. You shouldn't have done it. You shouldn't have. That still don't stop my harvest. My harvest don't stop until I stop confessing my sins. Amen. Go to Titus chapter 1 very quickly. Titus chapter 1. Titus 1. Titus 1. Titus 1. Here are some reasons why you have a justifiable expectation for God to bless you. Here are some reasons. And these are some of the things that you need to remember. Titus chapter 1. All you got to do is is find Timothy and then you'll find Titus. Titus chapter 1, verse 2. It says, yeah, it says, In hope of eternal life, which God that cannot what? Lie. Lie, Promised before the the world began. In other words, God cannot what? So if God cannot lie, if he said he will multiply my seed when I sow it, that's exactly what he's going to do. So that's a justifiable reason. Here's a second one. Go to Isaiah 46. Go to Isaiah 46, man. This one right here, boy, this is a good verse right here you can use. Isaiah 46. Isaiah 46. Once God makes a decree or makes a promise, he's got to keep it. Listen, if God don't expect us to lie, then he can't lie either. 
Amen. Isaiah 46. Look now in verse 8. This is so good. Isaiah 46, 8. It says, remember this and show yourselves men. Bring it again to mind, O you transgressors. Remember the former things, remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is none else. I am God and there is none like me. And I declare the end from the beginning and from ancient times the things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel, what I have said, shall what? It's going to stand, and I will do all of my what? Of my pleasure. Watch this now. I'm just going to keep reading because I'm going to focus on that pleasure in just a second. Calling a ravenous bird from the east, the man that executed my counsel from a far country, yes, I have spoken it. I will also bring it to pass. I have purposed it, and I will also do it. You can count on God doing his part when you do your part. Now, I want you to quickly turn over to Psalm 35. Psalm 35. Psalm 35. He said he delights in his pleasure. Well, I'm going to show you all. Some of y'all know this scripture. Some of y'all may not know this scripture. But I have a problem with people who think that God don't want them to be blessed. Watch this now. Psalm 35. What did I tell you? 35. Look at verse 27. It says, let them shout for joy and be glad that favor my righteous cause. Yes, let them say, let them say, let them say. How should they say it? Okay, so look at me now. What he's about to tell us to say continually is something you should be saying. Boy, y'all are a good class this morning. Watch this. He said, let them say continually. Read it with me. Let the Lord be magnified, which has pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. God has, he has pleasure in your prosperity. He wants to see you have more than enough. He wants to see you have an abundance. And anybody who teaches you anything any different is a liar. Because the Bible says, let God be true and every man be a liar. So if you hear people say God don't want you blessed, just look at him and say, you are a liar. Don't say liar, say liar. You are a liar. That's how they say it in Jamaica, liar. Go to Hebrews chapter 10. This will be my last one. I'm out of time. I'm out of time. Hebrews chapter 10. Are y'all getting what I'm saying this morning? See, y'all need to, listen, let me tell you something. I listen to my own CD at least three times a week. My own CD, because I, it, it brings, it, 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 it convinces me of what God's word said. You know why you, I know some of y'all, y'all be like, I don't know if I want to go to that church. They use too many scriptures. <laughs> but the reason I use the scriptures is for you to have something when you go home. Amen. If I just talk about how I feel, that don't validate nothing. God is not obligated to do what I feel, but he's obligated to do what he said he would. Amen. Hebrews chapter 10, look in verse 23. Here's my point. God is a faithful God and what, what he promised he is going to do. Look in verse 23. Let us hold fast to the profession of our faith. There we go. You got to say something. Without wavering, read, it, read this part with me. For he is faithful that promised. What is he faithful in doing? Come on, class. What is he faithful in doing? God is faithful to do what he promised. 
And if he didn't want to do it, he shouldn't have promised it. See, that's how I think. See, this is how I think. I think like this, okay? See, I know I'm saved because I know how I used to be. I, I mean, I know. I've changed. Trust me, I have changed. I used to, I used to couldn't talk without cussing. I mean, that was a major victory in my life. It's a major victory in some of y'all's life, too. Some of y'all need that victory right now. <laughs> but, but I knew I was saved before I stopped cussing. When I went up there, I got saved in a Presbyterian church. And you have to understand. You have to understand this. How many of you speak Presbyterian? Anybody in here? We only have three Presbyterians in the house. Me and my parents. Praise the Lord. Well, let me give you an idea. <laughs> Presbyterian is kind of close to Catholic. Except for they, they, they really believe the Bible more than Catholics do. Catholics got their own Bible going on. You know what I'm saying? And so, no, no offense to the Catholics, but I'm just telling you. And so, uh, I remember when I was in school when I heard the gospel. I'm talking about where I knew that I was going to go to hell if I didn't get saved. I didn't know that before then. I thought I was all right. So, I really got to understand, oh my goodness, I need to accept Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. I'm going to go to hell. So I was like, man, I got to do that. So I started asking people who were saved. I was like, so I asked them questions. Say, so uh, do you have to stop cussing? <laughs> do you have to stop drinking? Do I have to stop smoking weed? <laughs> See, all of them were saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you don't. He'll help you stop. If you wait to stop before you accept him, you will never stop. Because <laughs> some of y'all still struggling right now. But it's okay. As long as you, it's a submitted struggle. Okay? Well, I remember I went up to, the, I went up to the, the pastor's office at the time. I knocked on his door. You have to understand, Presbyterian, you know, we had Sunday school after church. And so uh, the pastor's, uh, pastor's office was right in front of the smoker's lounge. We smoked inside the church at our church. <laughs> no, I'm not kidding you. Then we did it. They had a smoking section in the church. So everybody's smoking outside the pastor's office, you know, smoking lounge where you smoke, smoke and drink coffee. Uh, and so I went and knocked on, I'm not kidding you. I knocked on the pastor's door. He said, come on in. He said, hey, Evan, how you doing? I was home from college and because uh, I came home to get saved. And I went in and I said, you know what? I want to I get saved today. He knew exactly what I meant. He said, you want to accept Jesus Christ today as a person saved? I said, yeah. He said, I'll tell you what, after my sermon, which was only 15 minutes, by the way, I will ask you to come up and I'll ask you some questions. Okay? Now, after his sermon, which was only about 15 minutes, he said, there's a young man here today who wants to accept Jesus Christ as his personal Savior. Come on up here, Evan. And I came up, and this was on October 6, 1985. So, so I can show you how clear this was to me because I knew what I was doing. So I walked up there, and he asked me some questions. He said, do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? I said, yeah. He said, do you believe that God raised him from the dead? I said, yeah. Do you believe he died for your sins? I said, yeah. He said, well, based on God's word... You have salvation. And so he prayed for me. Now watch this now. I didn't feel nothing. <laughs> didn't feel a thing. But I knew I was changed when I went back to my seat though. Because the Bible says, if therefore any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So I knew some newness was coming. But here's my point. I had never seen nobody go up there like that at that church. And so some of y'all sitting in this chair, in y'all seats, y'all ain't never heard some of this stuff. But that don't mean it's not true. Amen. And so my job as a pastor is to convince you 
that God's word can be depended on. Because guess what? If you can't depend on him prospering you and multiplying your seed when you sow, what guarantees you you're going to be saved in? That's where I'm going with the whole thing. I believe that day I got saved. So if God lied about multiplying our seed, then maybe he lied about us being saved. I know some of y'all going, oh my God, what is he saying? Is he speaking in tongues? He is blaspheming right now. No, what I'm saying to you is that the validity of God's word is true. And you can stand on it. And if you, well, listen, all you have to do, if you ain't seeing it working, say, Lord, why it ain't working? Because it ain't his fault. It's something you ain't doing. And I believe there are some people in this room, God wants you to have more than what you have right now. He wants you to have more. You know why I know he wants you to have more? Because you feel bad when somebody in your family don't have it and you don't have it to give it to them. That's an indication he wants you to have more. God put inside of every, everybody the desire to be a giver. Because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. But you can't give what you don't have. And he wants you to have it. Did you get blessed this morning? Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap.